Hey, horror fans, welcome to Be Afraid, the horror podcast hosted by Steve and Steve. You can find us on Instagram at Be Afraid Horror Podcast. Uh, we are continuing once again for the, uh, we have two more weeks left of this, but we are continuing with our anniversary horror films. Today we will be talking about the film I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, this came out in 1997. It's a film that centers on four young friends who are stalked by a hook-wielding killer one year after covering up a car accident in which they killed a man. Uh, again, uh, this movie came out in 1997, so it is 25... Oh my god, it is a quarter of a century old. You know you, you know that makes me feel, Steve? It makes me feel like old as shit. But uh, You are. I'm kidding. <laughs> I know, it's true, it's facts. Here we go. But I still look like I'm 18, so it's okay. But, uh, so, yeah, this was a movie that it was directed by... Uh, Jim Gillespie, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. I just, he doesn't really direct much, which uh, is odd. Um, but he directed a movie that I actually recently saw that I didn't know. I didn't see it because of him. I saw it uh, because of Sylvester Stallone. And it was like a slasher cop movie called I See You. And he also directed Venom. But not the Venom that you guys know. A crappy movie that came out that I actually own on DVD about a decade ago, uh, I'm pretty sure it was straight to video, but so he directed those two movies that I know of, and I can't really think of much else, but, uh, yeah, so this movie, me and Steve have been psyched to do this forever, because this is one of our favorite movies, this, this came out when I was 12 years old, and I remember this being on, we mentioned pay-per-view last time, me and Steve are criminals, we both had a legal uh, pay-per-view, so I used to watch this all the time. And uh, again, I think what made me so addicted to this movie is because I was addicted to Scream. And it was written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream. He also did, uh, again, I always say I'm a huge Dawson's Creek fan. He did Dawson's Creek Williamson. He did The Faculty. He did Teaching Mrs. Tinkle. All the hits back in the day. All those teenage hits. And uh funny story is that this movie was actually... He could not, uh, Williamson could not get this movie sold, uh, but he actually wrote this before he wrote Scream. I think this was the second film that Williamson wrote. The first film was Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which was probably under a different name when he wrote it as well. But that movie came out years later, I think 99 or something like that. But, uh, Steve, what are your thoughts on this film, man? Uh, I love every single thing about this film. Um, so this whole episode is going to be pretty much me just um, gushing about how much I like it. I, I don't really have any bad things to say about it, even if they're there. Um, you know, I overlook them and or don't even notice them. I think this is like the perfect movie to come out um, right after Scream, even though the, the script apparently Karen Williamson had a year before Scream, and it was only approved and, and sought after once Scream was such a huge success. But um, yeah, it's just the perfect movie to come out when you're a fan of a movie like Scream and you just can't get enough of it. Um, I think it's even better than Scream in some aspects. I wouldn't say it's better than Scream, but um, I like the fact that it's like a movie like Scream with, with which is like teenagers and a slasher uh, coming out in um, late 90s, but it's not meta. So it's like a cool version of, of Scream without all the, you know, all the breaking the fourth wall and and um, you know, admitting it's a movie and acknowledging other scary movies, even though they do acknowledge um, Silence of the Lambs in this, 
but I like that it's just a slasher that came out during the Scream era without it being, um, you know, trying to be like Scream. I, I think it's unfair that it gets compared to it, actually, because um, they're very different. And also, this is like a slasher with like a story that's very, um, I don't want to say complicated, but it's just more layered than like most slasher stories usually are. Um, you know, just a, a movie about feeling guilty and having to live with something that you did and, and covering something up. It's just like a, a cool little thing to add to a movie that, that people really just came to see uh, cool kills for and like a cool killer with like a cool signature weapon. So I like that it has all the slasher uh, tropes, but at the same time, it's like Scream where it flips everything in, on its head where um, everything that you know from a horror movie, uh, Scream kind of did the opposite uh, just, just to like, uh, you know, break, break the rules, I guess. Uh, I know what you did last summer is kind of similar also. Um, and one of those things it's that it's the fact that it has a pretty, um, you know, a c complicated uh, backstory to it. Uh, I, I keep using the word complicated, but I'm really just trying to say um, that it has a story that that's way more like uh, intriguing than than usually slashes usually are. Um, so I like that a lot about it, just like the, the the guilt part of it and the psychological part of it, and, and just um, seeing these people like slowly like you know not, not go where they wanted to go in life. They all had these big plans about where they were going to go. Uh, off to college and you know they, they all were very ambitious and and you could tell that that they were like good kids going somewhere and then one bad night um you know made them make this really bad decision that they had to live with so um yeah i like that a lot about it just um the fact that it's like not just cool kills and waiting for to see who's gonna get killed next it's just like it's actual suspense and actual like um a feeling of like you know something bad's gonna happen something's looming because they did something and somebody knows about it so, um, yeah, I know what you did last summer. It's, it's, I think, the perfect movie to come out after Scream. And I think um, it's unfair for you to be compared to Scream because it doesn't just, do, doesn't just do like what Scream did all, all over again. Like, like I said, it was Ian Rim before it. So, um, yeah, it's a really good movie that happened to come out in that era, but I don't think it should be compared to it. it it's just um, a great movie to come out if you want more Scream, but I wouldn't say it copied Scream. So, yeah, it's my favorite um, Scream clone, as they call it, all those movies that came out after Scream. I, I think I know you did last summer was the best, and for that reason, the fact that it's its own movie, it's it's like um, a very cool story, and and like it was actually ambitious. Like everybody was like trying to like uh, make something different. You could tell um, that director. I'm surprised he didn't make more movies because this movie is very suspenseful and has a a lot of very cool um, suspense building scenes, including Sarah Michelle Gellar's. Um, death which occurs later on and i like that too that it's a, it's four main characters and you see them get killed off uh, at the end um instead of like being a bunch of random characters that get killed off uh, throughout the movie this is a movie where you spend the whole time with the characters uh, throughout the whole movie and you get to know them and you even feel like if they're all the main character and like they're all going to survive um and, and that's another thing that the movie does that that flips like the, the horror genre tropes on its head instead of a final girl this one has like a, a final couple um, you know, a boy and a girl survive. So the whole movie, it feels like, like, um, kind of like a TV show. Like I even told you after this was done, like, I, I, I like this movie so much that I could watch a whole TV series on it with like the tone and like the feeling and the atmosphere and the setting of, I know what you did last summer. Cause the, the characters were so like, um, especially Barry and Helen, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller and Ryan Phillippe, they were so good that you felt like they were the main characters just as much as Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, they actually did an even better job. I think that those two characters are better than than uh, Ray and Jennifer Love Hewitt's characters. So I like that it's them four, you know, you spend all the time with them, and then at the end, um, you actually see them die, and it means so much more than when other people die that, that were just there um, to die. Like, I was actually caught off guard when Sarah Michelle Gellar gets killed. I was uh, caught off guard when Barry gets killed. So 
Yeah, like I like overall the fact that it's like a story first um, with characters that that like you see them like evolve and and um, I guess like fall off and like you know uh, see them like become like just not who they plan to be and like just you can see like the guilt in their face and just like you can tell that this this thing is like taking a toll on them. So I like the story progression. Um, I liked I like the characters a lot and I like the fact that it's a um a, a story about guilt and about um having to live with something that you did and, and, and like a cover-up story first and foremost before it's a slasher movie. So uh, yeah, this is, I'd say this is my top 10 horror movies of all time. I love this movie, everything about it. Well, a couple things about what you just said is that, yeah, um, unfortunately this movie will always be compared to scream and it will always be, uh, I want to say screams like younger brother, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's uh, being a baseball fan. It's like Scream is the Yankees, and I know what you did last summer is the Mets. Uh, it's, uh, like I said, um, no matter how good the Nets are playing, Scream is the Knicks, and I know what you did last summer is the Nets. Uh, I want to get at, when this movie, uh, when this, I always compare these two to, this is like six, this is like 18 years later, 17, 18 years later, but to me, the comparing of these two movies, especially since Scream brought back the slasher film to what it to like to be so huge and so profitable, and uh, again, like it wasn't like I said, like back in the early '90s, you had Doctor Giggles and the Dentist and Ice Cream Man and stuff like that coming out. But Scream made slasher films important for the uh, for movie studios and for horror fans again. So I always compare Scream and I know we did last summer to Halloween and Friday the 13th. So again, like, even though it's kind of a different film, um, it was, we, I think we can agree that to some point they were, uh, they, they were taking, not taking from Scream, but they realized that they would get the same audience and that would make the movie very profitable. Um, just want to say the movie itself is based on a book from 1973 and that book is called uh, uh the book is uh, obviously still called well not obviously but it's called i know it did last summer it was written by a woman named lois duncan and the movie uh her book was just about the uh, about the urban legend of the hook and it wasn't really that violent of a book and no one died in it except for the um original killing in the beginning so when she saw that they were making this movie, she got very upset because her daughter was actually killed in real life in 1989, and her daughter was murdered, and that I don't think they ever found the killer. So again, when, they, when she found out that they were turning her, her story into a movie about all these kids dying, she was not happy about that. I, um, I'd like to oh, like you, you mentioned Helen Shiver's death too, right, Steve? Mm-hmm. And that's again to me. I will say I agree. I agree with it, with you that 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 was so intense that scene, and it was such a suspenseful buildup that I don't think in any. I I own well over a hundred slasher movies, probably like a hundred fifty slasher movies. I'd love for the audience to get back to me and tell me what like is a more suspenseful death than Helen Shiver's death in this movie in a slasher film because I can't think of it. Like, that scene literally takes about 15 to 20 minutes, and that's right after she finds out that Barry dies, and 
the first thing is she's in the cop car and she sees the cop get it and she sees the cop die and then it's her running to um the store the, the the shiver store that's owned by her family and she goes in there she ends up her sister ends up dying in the middle of it and everything's like everything's just she's one second away from getting away like she either escapes or she doesn't it's uh again the um she just makes it out of the car in time elsa her sister played by bridget wilson who you would know from um she is a teacher in billy madison she's also sonia blade and um for those of you who really like great movies she's schwarzenegger's daughter and last action hero but uh when she dies elsa in the movie again that comes out of nowhere. That, that that that's like a jump scene right there, and then um, then she's taking what 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 do you call a thing that that she uses to pull up? Is it just called an elevator? Um, I'm not sure. It's, called, it's the same thing that they have in uh, Halloween H two O, where uh, where the girl breaks her leg in in there, where, where the thing slams on her leg. Yeah, I forgot what they call it, but um, but she uses that, and the hook comes like an inch away from hitting her a couple times. Then she has to jump out that window and then she's running down the, uh, she's running down the, um, the street to get to the street fair to safety. And last second she gets pulled into the tire and good for fucking Helen Shivers Cause she fights back. And like I said, she, she fights back. She gets down and dirty. Even when he has her with the hook, she's pushing him around. So again, like I said, I, I must agree that that's one of the best death scenes I have ever seen um, in a slasher film. And again, again, Barry and Helen are, to us, are much more interesting characters than than Ray and and Julie. But um, this movie also reminds me of, like, Halloween in a way and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where in the movie, and the director made this very clear. He didn't want a lot of blood in the movie. He didn't want it to be like that violent. Like he wanted like the scares not to come from stuff like that. So you'll see very little blood in the movie, except when the studio made him put in it. Like Johnny Galecki, who plays Max in the movie, um, they added. I didn't realize this, but they added his death in the beginning because it were because it was going to be. And it's like you said, Steve. No one dies till the end, pretty much. So they added Galecki's death in there just so audiences weren't getting boring, bored, and also so audiences knew what was going to happen with the movie. Like, like they like they could feel, all right, so this is where this movie's going. Like, th- this guy's not fucking around. So, uh, again, during Johnny Galecki's scene um, where he gets the hook through his throat, you see a lot of blood. And then you also see... Uh, when Elsa dies, you see a line of blood squirt across the, the door. So just like Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you see blood in those two scenes, but it's not overdoing it. And I was watching um I was watching the new Halloween last night. Um Halloween not the the new one from last year, Halloween Kills. And it was just I still like the movie. It's still like it's still one of my favorite Halloween films. I love the Halloween movies, um, except for Halloween Resurrection. We will not talk about that disgraced piece of shit. But uh, but I was watching that movie, and it's just nonstop 
blood and gore and everything right in your face. And that's like, again, that's one thing that I don't like about the Friday the 13th franchise. They were the first franchise like that to say, all right, we're going to take Halloween, but we're going to make it all blood. And, like, we're going to make it all gory and blood and all this stuff. And, like, again, that's cool to watch sometimes when you're a kid. But, like, when you're getting older, I don't need all that stuff. Like I said, I I, I, I want to be frightened. That that doesn't frighten me. I, I know this is all just makeup effects. But, uh, again, so, um, what was I getting at? So, like, again, like, Friday the 13th is probably, um, hate me if you will, is probably my least favorite franchise out, out of the big franchises. And I feel like once that happened, Halloween kind of needed, even though I love the Halloween movies, but they needed to take it up a notch just to compete with that sort of. But uh, yeah, so I, I do appreciate how um, how I know we did last summer when it was made, the director said, hey, I'm not going to do that. That's not how I want to scare my audience. I'll take that well, one step further, actually, and say that Friday the 13th, Thirteen was probably the reason why um, slashers fell off, and then Scream had to come back and revitalize it. And um, Friday the Thirteenth, I wouldn't say ruined movies, but a lot of movies were were held back uh, because of trying to be like Friday the Thirteenth. Like you said, the Halloween franchise, it could have uh, all of them could have kept being like at the tone and like the you know the the brutality rate of the first one, and we would have probably had some better Halloween movies. Um, as you know, I, I don't like any of the Halloween movies besides Halloween One, which is one of my top five favorite movies ever. And for that reason is, is why I don't like the whole series because um, I hold it to a really high regard. So when the other movies don't come close to that, like I, I just don't like them at all. So, um, yeah, Friday the 13th, I'd say, is the reason why the Halloween movies took that direction and then why the movies started focusing on um, on just killing and, and blood and gore. And I'd say it's even why 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 uh, we had all those uh, crappy slashers. Um, like I said, Scream had to come back. And what, what you said, what you said about... Uh, I know what you did last summer, that them forcing in that kill in the beginning with Max just because they wanted to remind people of that it's a slasher. Um, like, that's a great example of, of how, how Friday the 13th um, had that impact. Because um, before, if Friday the 13th didn't come out, um, Halloween would have been like the standard still of, of how to make movies, horror movie slashers. And, and that standard is um, suspense and building things up and, and you know, um, keeping the kills, I wouldn't say to a minimum, but just like not, not too like... Um, just not make the kills like the main focus of it. So um, even though I like that scene when they kill Max, uh, I think it's 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 unnecessary and it makes sense that that they uh, shoehorn uh, horned it in at the end because that reminds you also of oh, oh, Scream One. Oh, Scream One also wasn't going to have a kill until way later on, and then the studio, I think it was uh, one of the Weinstein brothers, told Kevin Williamson to write write in somebody getting killed in the beginning, and that's when he put um, uh, Principal um, the guy from the Fonz. Uh, Henry Winkler, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's when he, he put that scene in there just because the studio told him to. So uh, Kevin Williamson just has these really good, tight scripts that are like good on their own, and then the studios apparently just keep coming in and telling them to make his movies into like just like any other slasher. So um, even though I enjoyed that kill, I think I would have preferred it, especially now that you told me that it was never even there in the first place. I think I would have preferred it if, if Max didn't get killed, and maybe even not... Um, Helen's sister. Um, I would have liked it if it was just the main characters at the end, because um, them getting killed makes it like a slasher with just a bunch of bodies and like people came here to see that, I guess. But the movie that I liked, I know we did last summer. Um, the the reasons I liked the four 
was nothing to do with with the body count or how gruesome the kills were. So I think um, it didn't need those scenes. Uh, I think I know your last one would have been just fine if it, only the the four people that that committed the crime and that he was out after were, were killed. Because um, I, I actually can't even think of a reason why he killed Max and Helen. Um, I mean, is the guy just like a an actual just serial killer? Because it would have been cooler if he was only killing people that were involved in in the crime that they committed in that summer. Yeah, no, that that, that would have been cool. But like, uh, obviously, again, like I said, uh, I I I I see where you're going with that, and I I agree with you. Like I said, like uh, I don't need to see kills left and right. Um, obviously, it's a film business, and they know who their audience are. And when a movie like this comes out, though, it's like a movie like this comes out for 15, 16 year old kids, and they want them to go out. And, and like the kids, like like you said, like they expect to see kills. And they want to see that stuff, so obviously that they need to get that to them. But the film would have worked perfectly fine. You're you're, you're right w- without those two deaths. Even like uh, again, even the, the the death of the cop. But uh, again, it's it's these movies become about body count sometimes, especially because they're competing with other movies like that. And they these movies, I want to say like in the eighties, um, the year that's known as the slasher movie is nineteen eighty one. And that's, uh, I was 10 when 1981, no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was born in 85. I was not born for that. But, um, (laughs) that, that is when, um, literally Friday came out in 1980, 1981, they go, look at what this, because Sean Cunningham made Friday the 13th and he made that because again, he's like, all right. Let's do something named after a holiday, just like Halloween did. Let's do something that maybe we could do for cheap, too. And he made this movie, and I believe I mentioned this in another episode. Um, He put it out in an ad for the movie in a newspaper. And it just said Friday 13th. I forgot what the ad said, but it's like the scariest movie you'll ever see. And that's before he wrote anything. Like I say, he's just like, this will catch people's attention. And obviously it did. And again... The biggest horror, uh, John, biggest sub horror genre in the 80s were slasher films. And these movies, like I said, they need kills because they're competing against each other left and right. And like, uh, they're out there. And you listen to these people in interviews that used to go see like slasher movies in the 80s, and they'd be like, there'll be 10 coming out a week. And so there'd be like hundreds coming out a year. And even I don't own that money uh, that, that that much. I own, like I said, like maybe 150 slashers. But there's so many out there that I never heard of. And there's so many great... But think about these things. There's also a lot of great ones that, like, normally people won't hear of. But you'll see. And they'll be fucking amazing. Like I said, there, there's that movie. I, I recommended Intruder um, a while back, which is a great movie. There's a movie called... Um, uh, what's the name of the movie? Um, well, The Burning is pretty big. Um, then they have, uh, there's just a bunch of movies that aren't as big as Nightmare on Elm Street that were awesome. But, uh, so I just wanted to say, I, I, I want to get into the cast a little bit. My first off, we're talking about Johnny Galecki. Steve, is it just me or I, he has to be the body in Julie's trunk in when she gets the body in her trunk, right? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, that has to be Max. Like it's it's hard to see him, but he's covered it in cramps and stuff. And that's the scene 
That's probably my favorite scene in the movie. And that's the scene, uh, I remember being a huge scene when it came out, where she's finally freaking out. And she's like, I, I she finally had enough of this stuff. And she's turning around going like, come on, wh- what are you waiting for? And like, she's yelling and like, waving her hands in the middle of the street, like, where the fuck are you? Just show your face. And what blew my mind, actually, is that that scene was directed by a kid. A uh, kid won a contest for the movie, and it was like, if you win, I don't know what the contest was, but it was like, if you win this contest, you get to pick one scene in I Know You Did Last Summer and write and direct a scene. So the kid wrote and directed that, which, again, like, to me is crazy. But, um... Yeah, and scenes talk like that about... are a great example of um, just, like, being way too good than for uh, that has a right to be. Like, a slasher movie usually doesn't bother with scenes like that with like seeing the character um breaking down and just screaming into the air and like you know just like pretty much um going crazy um i like that how because a lot of the slasher movies it's just like you see them go with the motions like you know maybe hide from the killer or try to fight back this one you actually see the psychological uh, turmoil that, that like it causes um you know being um being chased by somebody being stalked and and you know harassed and you know, living with the guilt of something that you did um, I like uh, those parts the best, and I say those are the most memorable parts. Um, seeing Julie break down, um, seeing uh, Barry uh, and his having his temper uh, tantrums are, are, are a lot of the highlights in the movie. Are are with Barry and seeing just how he handles the whole thing. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar, um, uh, Helen getting her her hair chopped off. Um, again, uh, slasher movies. I never saw anything like that where a slasher stalks somebody, and then that doesn't actually go through with killing them, um, like subverting our expectations. Like I like stuff like that. Because you watch that scene, you're like, all right, she's going to die. And then you see the next scene, you're surprised to find out she's actually alive. But he did something to uh, mess with her uh, her head, and that's like chopping her hair off. So, um, yeah, I want to give credit for, for for them going the extra mile. It's not just next kill, next kill, um, you know, mystery. It's like you're seeing their reaction. Um, you're seeing the, the toll that it's taking on them. Oh, you see how he personally attacks each of them psychologically, um, which goes to the great line um, of Ryan Phillippe with uh, – Oh, Julie, Julie, you know, Julie gets a body in the trunk. Helen gets her hair chopped off. Um, I get ran over, and, and Ray, you get a letter, uh, which is a great way to like make Ray look suspicious, which he already does because of uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s uh, strange acting. Um, I can't tell if he's acting the way he does because he's not a good actor or because he's actually they're trying to throw us off and make him like the red herring. But yeah, those are the parts that I like the best, like um, little things like that, like like their performances and, and seeing how each of them individually gets gets attacked and how each of them handle it. Um, you know, Barry flipping out and, and attacking uh, Julie, making her making her promise to to, to um, take this to the grave. Um, stuff like that. It's just like a, a very layered story for a movie that's just a slasher. And uh, I want to bring up that scene that you brought up with the body in the trunk. Uh, that's one of the best jump scares, and that was really scary. Um, and, and it didn't need, like, you know, a very loud sound. Uh, just as soon as she opens the trunk, seeing um, the body... With the crab coming out of his, uh, coming out of his mouth and all over his body, uh, that that scene is just like it's very like unsettling and d- disgusting. And we talked about this before, but uh, one one bad thing though after that is how how quickly uh, the body disappears. It's very impressive and and like I wonder how how uh, the fisherman was able to clean that up. But other than flaws like that, um, yeah, the, the movie is just everything works for it. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, like, the main thing that we, we talked about this the other day, too. Like, that's, like, the main thing that I didn't, that, like, kind of turns me off from the movie for a moment. Like, what I, I remember even watching this when I was younger. I was, like, 
How do they just get back here a few minutes later and there's like yeah, the body's gone, there's clean. no crabs, there's like, <laughs> the, it's not wet. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? But like, uh, but yeah, yep. So that, that that was the one scene that again, like in these movies, there's always a thousand things that are unrealistic, but that that's the one scene that was like, what the hell is this? But, um, but yeah, that, that scene with Jennifer Love Hewitt, it just like, again, it put her, it showed her like. In the beginning, she's all quiet, and she's letting people boss her around. She's letting Barry choke her. She's like, dude, like I said, and like I said, and that scene and the scene where Ray, again, nobody likes Ray. Fuck Ray. Um, again, it, 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 there's, um, what? He's a coward. Yeah, yeah. And especially, like, again, later on, he's like, you know, we should go to the cops and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and that's when Jennifer Love Hewitt turns around and goes, no, Ray, we had the chance to do that. Now we need to go and get this guy. Like I said, we need to bring him to us. And, like, again, it showed, like, that's when she became, like, that, uh, that, um, the final girl. That's when she became, like, listen, I'm handling crap my own way. And, again, I, I thought that was awesome. I thought, uh, again, I wanted to get into the... To these actors, because like, again, it's just—it's so great. Um, it—it—it was casted perfectly. It was just like Scream. It's just casted perfectly. Um, like I—I I love Urban Legend. Um, Steve will disagree with me. It's okay. Um, I like Urban Legend probably more than I know we did last summer. But again, like I said, that's fine. Um, I—I I, I like all three of these movies a lot: Scream, Urban, and I know we did last summer. But um. Probably just because I have a man crush on Joshua Jackson, but uh, so, but the the lead four characters in this movie they are Jennifer Love Hewitt. These this is how I hear they got the roles. So they said that she 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 has the that ability to appear very vulnerable, so they put her in the movie. Um, Freddie Prince Jr. supposedly had the uh, everyday man quality. M- much like his character, so um, and nobody wanted Freddie Prince Jr. in the movie. They thought that he was too soft. He wasn't muscular enough. Um, again, but again, Freddie Prince Jr. He's hot as hell. So again, like I said, I, I again, I, I agree with Steve that like he sucks as an actor, but um, again, he's a good-looking guy. His dad, I believe, was in the movie in the TV show Chico and the Man, so he had a. He had that acting gene in him, so again, uh, people see that and they want they want you in their film. Um, they said Sarah Michelle Gellar was signed for the movie because she was a warm person and she could also play a bitch. But let's be honest for a second: Sarah Michelle Gellar and Miss Jennifer Love Hewitt were both signed on because they're both hot as hell and because they're both at that time on hit TV shows. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar was doing Buffy. Uh, Miss Miss uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt was doing Party of Five. Party of Five is um, funny because she was doing Party of Five, and guess who else got cast for a horror movie while doing Party of Five back then? Neve Campbell. So Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer both took these um, two girls from Party of Five to put inside their movies. That, that's something different that they did. Um, two actresses that were also considered for the film were Danielle Harris, who was considered for the role of Julie, which I would have been psyched about. Um, you all know Danielle Harris, um, another hottie. She was, uh, 
Halloween movies, four, Halloween five. She was uh, in Urban Legend. She's in the Hatchet movies. She's a scream queen. She's probably the biggest scream queen that I can know of next to Linnea Quigley and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And do you know Melissa Joan Hart, Steve? Yeah. She was, uh, for those of you who don't know Melissa Joan Hart, she's known for the movies. um, She's the one in I uh, Can't Hardly Wait, where she's running around trying to get her her yearbook signed. She's also in the movie Drive Me Crazy. She's, her biggest roles were on TV with uh, growing up. Clarissa Clarissa explains it all as Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She offered it, but she turned around thinking it was a ripoff of Scream. Which I could understand, even though she didn't know it was written first, but I could understand. And then she ended up uh, doing Drive Me Crazy a couple years later. But, uh, and the, the, the craziest things about, like, who got the role, the, the, the weirdest thing is that, because uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar ended up marrying, and they're still married, so good for them, um, Freddie Prince Jr., and... Her boyfriend in the movie, um, what's his name? Uh, well, I can't think of his name Phillippe. for a second. Brian, Brian Philippi. Yep, ended up marrying Reese Witherspoon. And the first off, funny thing is, I believe it's only two lines that that uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prinze Jr. say say to each other in the movie. I think they only say two lines to each other. So it's funny how they they must have that close connection off off the set and then the reason why last person I'm going to talk about is Philippi was in the movie is because Reese Witherspoon was actually auditioning auditioning uh she went to audition to play one of the main girls and then on the way there she decided not to but she convinced her boyfriend Philippi at the time to go and audition for uh for the movie so again that's how Ryan Philippi ended up auditioning for the movie and as much as I like Jennifer Love Hewitt, by the way, the one thing that uh, a real turnoff about her is that she um, she hates horror movies. That's nuts. Like I said, uh, she hates horror films. She's only only two horror films she's been in was this and the first sequel, which is I still know we did last summer, which is a decent sequel. It gets a lot of it gets a lot of crap, but it's decent. It's entertaining, and. Um, then they made it always. Uh, I'll always know what you did last summer, which is a straight to DVD, which I own too. I watched like the first half of it, and I just couldn't get through it. And then they had the uh, they had the TV show too. I still know what you did last summer. Uh, sorry, the the, the uh, I I know what you did last summer TV show, which came out last year. Which again, to me, I wasn't a big fan of the show. I watched like half the show and just stopped watching it. Um, I don't have time like that to waste anymore. Like I said, if I'm not into something, sometimes I will not give it my full attention. I'll just stop like halfway through. Um, Jennifer Love Hewitt also, she was in, um, this is the first movie where she showed off her body because she didn't really have a body before this. So um, she actually, unlike some actresses, she wanted to show off her breasts and she wanted to show off this stuff because she wanted adult roles. And before this, she was in movies like... um, I want to say, uh, what's that movie she made where she was a kid? Uh, House Arrest, which was she was actually in with Jamie Lee Curtis, and Jamie Lee Curtis doing that. Uh, she would hug her every day because she just got the role for I Know We Did Last Summer, and Jamie Lee Curtis like, this is gonna be your first horror movie, and you're gonna love it. 
Yeah, I think um, it's really, again, going back, it's really unfair how it's compared to Scream all the time because the only real similarities is that they're both slashers, and um, that's because the studio made them uh, turn them into, like, oh, full-on slash. Like you said, they made them put that kill in the beginning. But this movie um, is just so unique. Um, and one, one of the things I like the most about it is the setting. Like, I like the harbor and, like, the, the ocean and all that, including that that first shot of the movie when the movie starts, which I think he brought up during Lost Boys. Um, Lost Boys is a similar shot at the beginning where it's, like, the camera panning over the ocean. Um, yeah, that intro for this movie sets the tone perfectly. And, you know, just seeing the mountains and, like, the, the water, the harbor, all the fishing, uh, the fishing uh, boats and fishermen, uh, just, like, the... The culture of like the the city that they live in with the parade Fourth of July parade, um, the beauty pageant thing, um, aesthetically and like setting wise, this movie has like a, a lot going for it. And again, it's not like Scream. Scream, if anything, is more generic. So I find that pretty unfair. And like you said, how Friday the Thirteenth came out um, after Halloween, like because of the success of Halloween, um, that that goes to show why the quality of that movie was the way it was. Um, I mean, where it, it turned into what it is, which is just like a. a seeing how people get killed in all these creative ways um this didn't come out in that way where it's like oh scream is scream is a success let's try to make something like scream um comparing it to scream is just in people's heads and like uh critics that wanted to compare it to scream because ken williamson writing both and for it coming out so soon afterwards but this was a script that he had before scream and like you said it's based on a book that uh that was written by by a lady uh back in the 80s and it's like a, a good book with with like psychological elements in it it's not a slasher so yeah, I, I hope that one day people realize that this came out after Scream, during the Scream craze, by the writer of Scream. But that doesn't mean that it's a Scream clone or, or it should be compared to it. Because the similarities really are just that there's a guy killing people. And I think they really end there. Um, maybe that the guy's disguised because it had like, all the tropes of like a slasher. Like I think I brought this up during Candyman, how the movie was a good psychological thriller at, at first. And then... I had a feeling they added in all the slasher elements afterwards just to go with, just to put it in that category, I guess, make it easier to market. Um, and then, so then they added his, his hooked hand and his, his look and just all the stuff that makes him like a slasher. But before that, Candyman worked alone as just like a, a movie about a ghost. Um, I think, I know we did last summer, it's the same thing. This is a movie about revenge and about uh, feeling guilty. And then they added the, the, the slasher elements to it. And uh, to the defense of studios, uh, I know I said that, that they, they kind of... Um, um, not ruined it, but forced these movies to be slashers when they were already uh, good stories on their own without it. Uh, in defense of the studios, it, uh, they you know they they're trying to sell a movie to like sixteen year old kids, like you said, or people that like slashers. So it's going to be really hard for them to market it if it's not a slasher. Um, you know, it's like how are you going to tell these teenagers to come see the psychological you know thriller? Um, the, the kills is what gets the people to go, and if they don't have that kill in the beginning, uh, again, it's depending what the studio's decisions. Uh, that kill with Max in the beginning. Uh, that sets the tone uh, w one of the first things people would say when leaving the movie theater and, and going around um, talking to people because one of the most important things is word of mouth when advertising when marketing a movie one of the first things people would say is oh yeah there wasn't a kill until the very end so I see why the studio has to do uh, things like that and it doesn't hold it back um, I just wish that that uh, people were like I guess um, sophisticated enough to like give a movie a chance without it being a slasher and like you know leave a movie without being unsatisfied because there wasn't enough kills or um uh, i know a lot of uh, a common complaint to a, of people with movies a lot of times is oh there's too much talking which i never really understood because unless it's boring um talking is like important for a movie so yeah i know what you did last summer i think it, it works 
um, by itself, and the fact that it's a slasher is just like a nice little bonus. Yeah, I, I feel like with like with the di- with dialogue in films, there's some directors that like again that there was a time for for you young viewers. Um, there was a time before, like I said, I probably said this before too, but like every time you go see a movie now. I was watching Fast and the Furious. I actually wrote about this on Facebook the other day because I think everyone should know how I feel about whatever I'm doing on Facebook. I don't know why, because I'm a loser or something. But um, I'm watching uh, Fast and the Furious the other day. It was like Fast and the Furious, like 13 or something. I don't don't know what freaking number it was. But Vin Diesel's running out of a plane while it's exploding. He grabs a parachute midair. And, like, it's just, like, flying down, like, nothing happened. He's like, I live for this shit. And, like, <laughs> there was a time when movies, like, and the, the, I, I saw, I, I've seen movies with my dad before. And they have trailers on beforehand. And it's just, like, explosions and cursing and whatever it is. And you don't know what's going on. But that's what people go to see. And it's, like, uh, South Park said in one episode, it's, um... Again, give people shit and they'll go watch it. Like, they don't care anymore. Dialogue used to be a lot more important in movies. People like Kevin Smith, who made uh, Dogma and Clerks and Chasing Amy and Mallrats and Quentin Tarantino back in the day. Um, Again, like a movie like True True Romance written by Quentin Tarantino or From Dust Till Dawn or uh, Pulp Fiction or whatever. These movies had action in them, but these are movies like where I remember the scenes because of the dialogue. Dialogue used to mean a lot more to movies than it does now. Um, so I, just, I just wanted to say that. Um, also, that the film, uh, we were saying how, uh, again, it it was made from, um, it, it was originally advertised. We are talking about advertising the movie. It was advertised as from the creator of Scream, and they were forced to take all posters and advertisements uh, since Miramax said that Wes Craven created Scream and, and not Kevin Williamson. So I, I guess that's weird to me because Kevin Williamson technically did create Scream. So I, I guess maybe they just didn't want to go into a legal battle about it. But um, again, and it's like you were you were also saying with, uh, again, they need to advertise this movie a certain way because you're advertising, it's like we both said, to 16, 17-year-old kids. Um as much as you don't really need it in a movie to make the movie good, 16 and 17 year olds are going to see, they're going to see tits and they're going to see blood. That's it. They, they, they want to see people die and they want to see people naked. Like I said, again, that that's what like, um, that's kind of like what made like, when I would go back like as a teenager and watch 80s slasher movies, that would bring the movie up a couple levels. Like it's like, all right, this movie's a six out of 10 but there's topless girls running around, so it's eight out of ten now. <laughs> so again, so like that—that—that's what people are looking for. Yeah, um, Fast and Furious is the best example of what you're talking about. With with, uh, with, with what with the explosions and stuff. Yeah, or? with, with uh, dialogue not being like a, a priority, and people just coming to see um, you know big set pieces and explosions and waiting for the next action scene. Oh, yeah, th- those movies are god awful. Um, I I I've seen maybe three or four of them. The first one was decent. Yeah, I think the first great. one was a great movie, actually. I don't think it's great. I think it's decent. Um, I, I I enjoyed it. I can watch it again, and like I'll enjoy it. 
but like it doesn't blow my mind in any way. Um, I saw Fate and the Furious, like like the 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 eighth the eighth one or or, or whatever it was called. I think it's called Fate and the Furious, but like um, that that I enjoyed a little bit. But again, like you you know what you're gonna pay to see, so you're not going to the movie theater and not getting your money worth. Like I said, if you go see Fast and the Furious twenty seven, like you know what you're seeing. So and they're gonna entertain you, but it's also mindless entertainment. But they're telling you that in the trailer. They're telling you we're not gonna give anything away because there's nothing to give away. You're gonna see. I just heard. Have you seen? I when I put my Fast and the Furious post up, someone mentioned like there's like a Fast and the Furious while they're in outer space. Is that true? I I, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure if they're outer space the whole movie, but I did see a trailer where <laughs> at one point it looks like they go to space. <laughs> Yeah, that that just sounds like ridiculous. But like, uh, again, but you know what? They put Jason out of space, so why not Vin Diesel? Yeah. But uh, so uh, you were also mentioning the opening of this movie, which I love. I love it. Um, the opening of this movie where they're they're doing the um the opening credits and they're going over the water, the rough water, and they're playing Summer Breeze. Um, it's the cover of uh. It's a cover of the Seals and Crofts song, Summer Breeze. I just want to go over, like I said, again, the, the song works so perfectly with the opening, with the dark, depressing opening. And this is, to me, along with Scream 2, is one of the greatest horror movie soundtracks I ever heard. Uh, they have a couple of great covers on here. They got Hey Bulldog, which is originally a Beatles song, and is covered by Toad the Wet Sprocket. They have Cooler Shaker, the band covered Hush by Deep Purple. Again, like I just said, this was uh, Summer Breeze. It was covered by Seals and Crofts. And then they also had music by Soul Asylum, The Offspring, Mighty Mighty Boss Which, you know, I, I, I own the soundtrack. I don't see Mighty Mighty Boss on the soundtrack. But it says on the internet that it is, so I assume it is. And again, so this movie just makes for a badass soundtrack, too. It's just like, it's fun. Like, it's it's not like... It doesn't make the movie creepy anyway, but it's just a fun, entertaining, and again, it's just, uh, it's good music. It's like Soul Asylum, Offspring, and Mighty Mighty Boston's are all awesome 90s bands, and so is Told the West Rocket. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And that, that goes um, with what I was saying, that even even the soundtrack is good, because everything about this movie, like I said, it works. Um, like, from the setting to to the, the casting, the dialogue, you know, Kevin Williamson... Uh, the killer and um, the scares too. I want to talk about because um, it, it actually is pretty scary. Like the part where Sarah Michelle Gellar, um, Helen is in her store and and her sister got killed, which was a pretty cool visual, by the way. I'm um, seeing her being like carried by the hook. Uh, the, the fisherman's literally walking with with his, her sister, like hanging from the hook. That was a pretty uh, cool visual. Um, yeah, the part where where he's with the mannequins that are all covered in, in like a plastic tarp, and then you see him. Oh, standing there, and then he actually pops out and comes after her. I thought that was a good scare because usually when they do scares like that in movies, they'll throw you off, and it'll actually be like the guy like to the left or like the guy behind the person that the, the camera's focused on, like the mannequin, whatever. Uh, this time the camera was actually on the fisherman, and then you're like, "Is that him?" No, it's probably gonna be the guy next to him because you know there's a bunch of people surrounding him, a bunch of other mannequins, and then no, it actually ends up being him, and he pops out at her. I, I thought that was really cool, and um, yeah, the cinematography for this movie is uh, really beautiful. I like like the colors and like. 
just like uh, I, I guess I want to say costume designs. Even though they're not wearing costumes, but like their wardrobe, I, I think it perfectly encapsulates like uh, late nineteen nineties. Like, like I, I think I told you this before, but I feel like after watching this movie, like these characters still exist out there. Like that's how well they they captured like uh, late nineties like uh, teenagers. Like I wasn't a teenager at that time, but just from what I saw and like being alive at that time, um, that movie felt like um, I, I don't want to say a documentary, but like it was real life. And, and, you know, they captured it on film. So I like that a lot. And I also like the, the fact that they pay tribute to other horror movies. Uh, one shot I noticed particularly is, is uh, going back to this scene again, um, such a great scene that we keep bringing it up. Um, Helen being ch uh, chased by the, by the fisherman. When she gets into the store and then she's, like, trying to open up and get her sister to open the door for her, that's very similar to Halloween when Lori is running across the street from the, from, um, the house that she's babysitting for and she's trying to get inside. And you see Michael coming in, and the music intensifies, the piano key, whatever. Um, that's the same exact scene. Uh, Ju uh, Helen is trying to get in, and, and you see the fisherman approaching slowly, uh, little by little. So um, even though I said the movie is, is pretty much perfect, and uh, it gets all the, the horror movie tropes and flips in on its head, it still has a lot of the cliche ones. And, and one of them is the fact that um, the fisherman kind of, he doesn't walk like Michael, but he like speed walks. So uh, I, I, I think it's like, pretty pretty like comical like the way he he looks but at the same time it goes with like the slasher so even though it, it was trying to like be like different than other slasher movies when it comes down to it it's still a slasher movie because um yeah the, the 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 killer does a lot of things that's like like you said before cleaning up the trunk of the body um speed walking um, um just like hiding in places like the way he hid behind that the plastic tarp and then popping out um, kind of reminds me of, like michael hiding underneath the sheets just like coming up with these elaborate ways to like pop out on people and, and scream at them. So uh, a lot of the psychological things is what I like about it the most, but I'm, I'm glad that when it comes down to it, it's, it really is still a slasher though. Yeah. That, that scene that you're talking about where, uh, with the mannequins, the, the funny thing is like, um, I read this the other day. I, I can't, I, I couldn't see it. I guess I wasn't looking for it while I was watching the movie again, but supposedly one of the mannequins looks just like, um, spike, the vampire from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> so, uh, but again, like you said, these uh, scenes, like that scene, and also another scene that's like on the edge of your seat is like, again, the scene that you mentioned before, where they dive in and they get the crown, where Barry dives into the water. Yes. Again, like I said, when they got, when he opens his eyes, he's like grabbing at Barry a little bit. Like I say, he doesn't really grab at him, but like you feel as though Barry's in danger. And that, that kind of got to me a little bit too. Um, what's her name? El Elsa. When she um in that scene where where she dies too, I didn't realize this, but in the in the book too, because even in the movie she is uh she is said to be a the the guy that um the guy that kills him the guy that he, he I think David Egan kills himself in the beginning I think right yes so the David Egan Elsa is a classmate of his so in the book she is one of the main suspects. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So I didn't know that, but so that, uh, that adds to it, though, because like I was saying before, um, I like the fact that that the people killed were involved with the crime, so it could look, it could be like the the guy that's out to kill him is just you know bitter and angry about what happened and wants to get even. So, um, I like that, uh, even though you have to read the story to find out. I like that Elsa was a suspect too, and and it makes sense why he killed her. I kind of wish they did that. They explained it in the movie. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah. But uh, I think uh, uh, the cool thing about the movie too is that it um, 
it puts you in that situation where like I consider myself a good person. Um, I, I I'd like to think I would do the right thing. But is Barry wrong in the beginning? Like I said, like the movie raised that question, like, what should you do in that situation? Like the guy's already dead, should you ruin all of our lives? Like I said, I consider myself a good person, but like that would be something that might be going through my head. Like if you if you happen to kill a random guy and like there's four lives in that car, it's like, all right, well our lives are over now. Like I said, like it 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 makes you think if you're gonna make the moral decision or not, you know? Yeah, but uh in defense of um I guess uh, kinda like being a devil devil's advocate here, um uh, B- Barry, it, it's like actually all his fault. Um, the reason why he even got ran over was because he popped his head out and and he blocked Ray's vision. I think he like dropped the bottle or something. But yeah, the reason he gets killed, the reason why they decide to cover it up, um, the guy even comes back to life for a second and you know the, he lets them know that oh he's alive. You know maybe we can still get away with uh, you know maybe we don't have to go to jail or and also not you know dump this guy's body. Um, yeah, he he shows that he's alive for a second and Barry still goes goes ahead and dumps him in so i feel like uh barry's actually like the the villain of the whole movie even though the, the fisherman is not justified in uh, going around killing teenagers and, and stalking them making their lives miserable um you know you shouldn't do that but when it comes down to it th- this all happened because of barry's negligence and you know it was his car he was the one drinking he was the one that popped his head out he's the one that that um didn't let ray drive um you know causing him to, to hit the guy he's the one that made julie make the pact um everybody was kind of hesitant um Julie didn't want to do it at all. Didn't want to like you know hide the body. Wanted to come forward and go to the police. Um, his girlfriend was kind of like kind of neutral. Um, Helen, Sarah Michelle Geller, she was kind of neutral, and you see her getting convinced little by little, which is also pretty interesting in that scene. Um, seeing them go from like how they are initially reacting to eventually accepting that they, they got to go through with hiding it. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, you see Sarah Michelle Geller get convinced, kind of like you know listening to like her boyfriend and just doing what he says and like you know. Not really having like her opinion of her own, just like going with with who with what um, Barry's saying. But yeah, um, pretty much Barry is is the reason why all this happened. And yeah, it's easy to picture yourself um, making the same decision a, as him. But uh, I'd like to think that I wouldn't go through with with um, you know not not coming clean about what happened. Uh, I don't think I'd be able to live with myself, which they depict very well. Um, you see Julie like when she's talking to her mom on the dinner table that she's like really like this is like eating her up and she even says later on um yeah i tried i tried moving on and i want my life back so yeah i think i think um when it comes down to it all this like everybody's lives got ruined that uh somebody got killed um um they ended up getting killed at the end because of uh, the person coming out for revenge all this happened i think because of barry it's his fault yeah well he uh again like i said i think he maybe he was like as much of a tough guy act he was putting on he was probably more scared than anyone. And like I said, the, just the way he's reacting, just like the way, like, again, like, he's getting angry, he's getting frustrated. Obviously, he's, he seems to be more scared than anyone. He he's he probably seems to be the most selfish one, too. It's uh, sure, yeah. everyone else, like, let's do the right thing. And he's sitting there going, all right, well, this is my life. I'm not ruining Like I said, I'm, maybe I have that a little bit of me, too. Like I said, I, I don't know. But he's like, I'm not ruining my life. This guy's life's already over. And again, like, uh, so maybe he's a little selfish, a little scared. 
And we all know, or at some point knew, or grew up with somebody like Barry. So that goes against who, um, the characters being relatable. Like, uh, Barry is like, I could like think of a bunch of people that are just like him and would probably react the same way. So, uh, Ryan Phillippe yeah. did a great job, uh, just like Sarah Michelle Geller and pretty much all of them uh, did good. Even, even like I said, um, Ray, um, I can't tell if it's his acting or if he was just doing a really good job and seeming suspicious, but either way it worked. So yeah, all, all the actors just did a great job, not only depicting somebody from that time, but somebody that you can relate to or somebody that you know of, or even putting yourself in the shoes of like in this situation, I think I'd be more like, um, probably like Julie. I think. I I do feel like. I feel like even though, like you said, like it was it, it like you're suspicious of Ray. Like I said, I feel like maybe I just feel this way because I've known the movie for twenty five years. And I know Ray's not the killer, but I don't think I would have even like the first time I saw it. I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I don't think I would have felt like that Ray could have been the killer. Like he, he seems like a pretty obvious red herring. <laughs> And like I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I can't remember if I if I thought he was the killer. Um, like you said, twenty years and watching the movie over and over yeah. again, uh, you don't really know how how you reacted initially watching it. Um, it. But but yeah, one cool thing about this is the killer reveal. Um, you know, they mess with the red herring and the who did it uh, type storyline uh, throughout the movie a lot. Not as much as Scream, but I like how at the end, uh, it, and it goes back to um, them subverting your expectations, and not being like other slashers. Um, finding the killer wasn't like a big moment, like uh, let's unmask him, or or he comes out and reveals himself and like tells his whole life story before he does. I like how he like subtly comes in as like uh, somebody pretending to to be like a helping hand, and then like tells Julia like go on the boat, and then you're like, oh, who is this guy? And then little by little he starts talking, and then you see you find out that it's him. So I like I like how they did that. It's very different than all the other slasher killer reveal scenes. How do you feel about Ben Willis? Like I said, like I, I, I understand like he's like again, this this is one of our favorite like horror films out here, but like I understand why he's not as big as like Michael Myers or even us uh was say um even why can't I think of the um Friday Chucky? No, I'm trying to think of uh, Ghostface. Okay. Like, I can see why it's not as big as Ghostface or, like, uh, even Pinhead and stuff like that. So, again, um, again, I, I just don't get it. Like I said, um, I, 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 I mean, I do get it. Like, I understand why he's not as big. I mean, he plays a great character and he does it really well. But I understand why he's not as big as the other ones. Like, there's only one sequel with him in it. And, like, with him playing the character. And, again, like I said, I... I I don't feel as though um, he deserves to be on the platform with the other ones. Yeah, I think that goes to um, what we were saying about about this movie not even being a slash originally, both in a book, um, when it was a book, and as Kevin Williamson's script. Um, it, this doesn't work as a franchise because it's very story-driven. Um, the, the main reason why he was out killing them was because of what happened, uh, the events of the, of the beginning of the movie. So... Uh, whereas in the other ones, it was kind of like mindless killing and like, um, you know, just somebody that's like relentlessly after people trying to like get a body count. This was really like a grounded um, story and, and just like like a revenge tale. So, I mean, uh, the fact that a second one even came out, I think um, it's like stretching it and like, you know, they really had to reach for a story to like make a story out of that. Because this movie isn't like a, just a, a guy going around killing. It, it's like he has an actual purpose and a mission. So... I think that's why it doesn't work. That's why it eventually didn't become a franchise because um, 
it's like a guy with like a solo mission and like how do you justify him killing more people even after this like is it, is he after like all the teenagers that have done something and covered it up so um yeah and as far as the actor i think he um it's kind of like what i said about wishmaster that the guy that plays wishmaster without the makeup was like was like um had a presence enough and like uh, had a cool look for him to like be one of the killers i think the guy that plays ben willis does look like you know a creepy killer or like somebody that that would do some crazy shit like you know chop off sarah michelle Gellar's hair and all the psychological stuff he did and he looks like a fisherman so i think he has a memorable look and and i i like him as a fisherman like i like his outfit and and i like how he speed walks and and the hook in his hand but it just doesn't work as a franchise i don't think so i'm kind of glad it didn't, it didn't go that direction but yeah, he definitely doesn't deserve to be um, in the same category as those guys because they're, they're so good that uh, you can make a whole franchise out of it, like multiple sequels, and you could even uh, take them in all different directions, uh, make them very different than the original movie, and it'll still work. Um, best example is Nightmare 3. Like, uh, Freddy's so cool that, that um, um, in our opinion, his third movie is actually the best, not even the first one. Um, so, yeah, th- those characters are just so larger than life and and so cool that that you can make a bunch of movies out of them even if if it doesn't align up with the story of the original whereas in this one it's really like um just like a a tale about a guy that's out to like get revenge and then once that's done it's like why do we need to see him again you know he's not he's not that cool he doesn't have like that memorable of a look and um he doesn't have like cool um one-liners he doesn't even talk at all um so yeah i think I, i really think that's why it's just the fact that that he had this one mission um you know to like torment these kids for a year stalk them get to know them for a year and then you know eventually kill them and then after that it's like you know he doesn't really have a purpose so yeah i think i think that's why you really can't compare him to them yeah now he's not like freddie he's not going to come back and get the next line of kids on elm street he's exactly, not yeah. jason he's not gonna he's not gonna come back and get um again the, the next group of campers but uh yeah yeah he definitely has a, a cool memorable look though like i'll i'll always remember um Again, going back to the the legal pay per views, when I think of that, I think of Wishmaster and I think of um, the Fisherman and his you know, him speed walking and like a lot of the like my first impressions of like what a slasher movie was was this movie. So um, yeah, this, this movie's um it's just like one of my favorites for a bunch of reasons. Not just the fact that it's so good, but like the time that I saw it and it being like my first impression. Like later on, all the things that I I figured out were horror movie tropes. I originally saw here, so I couldn't even hold it against this movie the fact that it's like being cliche or, or doing the stuff that the other movies did. Cause this is the one I first saw. So yeah, it's, it's just the best movie. I, I love it a lot. It's my favorite movie from um, the nineties next to scream yeah. and candy man. Movies are very important to like at the point in your life when you see them. Like I said, one of my favorite movies is dazed and confused. And like, that's a, a nine, 1993 movie that I first saw maybe in 2002 or 2003. And I was like 18 and, like, it's just a movie about 17, 18-year-olds hanging out in the last day of high school. So, again, like I said, that, that was, like, my age, and, like, I loved it. And it just, it's just something I can relate to. So, again, like, it's very important when you see these movies. If, if I saw I Know We Did Last Summer for the first time when I was 50 and not <laughs> 12, I'd have a different, probably a different reaction while, while watching it. I'd still probably think, oh, it's a pretty good movie. But I wouldn't have the same appreciation for it. But, um couple of different facts about this movie. Uh, movie is the seventh highest grossing slasher film of all time, which wow. is impressive. Made $126 million, which I, I know you hear that number that nowadays. It doesn't seem that big with these billion-dollar movies like these uh, Thor and all this stuff coming out right now. 
But $126 million for a slasher film, especially in the 90s, is pretty damn good. Yeah, with the budget they had, too. Uh, yeah, yep. And uh, Dawson's, uh, the beach that they go to is Dawson's Beach, which is named after Dawson's Creek, uh, which, again, like I said, that Williamson um, created the Dawson's Creek TV show as well. Yeah, so. that's that's what, another one of my, I mentioned this before, my favorite thing is the setting. Like, it's so cool. Um, we're from Long Island, so, like, we, we, we're very familiar with, like, harbors and all that stuff, so maybe that's why, but... Just um, when I think of I know what you did last summer, I immediately put myself in that setting. And like um, like I said, I want to see a whole TV show on it. It's a shame that the TV show isn't good. But I would like to see a TV show specifically with these characters, um, even though like, well, well, they're dead now, so you can't do it. But I guess like the style of this movie, like um, I, uh, hopefully ran, ran by Kevin Williamson and in the same setting, the same. Um, um, I'm not sure what state it takes place in, but I know they filmed it in California and North Carolina. But It seems like Maryland. Yeah, just um. The whole like the whole setting of the movie and and the cast and and uh, the dialogue, which I like actually better than than Scream, believe it or not, because of Scream sometimes felt a little too like like um, MTV ish. Like not not that it's a downfall. It's just like it makes it like stand out like in, in its own way, like um, as like a very like um, like a teenage movie. Like this one's more like um, even though they are teenagers, they don't talk that like. Um, I'm not sure how to say. It. I guess like maybe with that, that much slang or like that many, um, like they don't talk that teenager-ish. I don't know how to explain it, but pretty much, um, yeah, the dialogue for this one I think is just like a little more, um, like better for like p- people of all audiences, all, all ages. Yeah, especially again, like I said, Jennifer Love Hewitt plays a pretty mature character in this movie. Yeah. But, uh, what was it say? Um, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add, Steve? Um, no, yeah, just uh, from the '90s. This is my this is in my top five. I say my top five '90s horror movies are are um, Scream. I know what you did last summer. Um, Child's Play two, and um, I can't think of it right now. But yeah, that that's it's definitely my my second favorite next to Scream. And again, I, I want to urge people to um, watch it without having Scream in the back of their mind because um, it's really unfairly compared. Um, it's just a slasher, and that's it. Well, other than that, this is nothing nothing like Scream and it's better in, in some ways because Scream, even though it's fun, um, after a while, the whole meta and, and admitting that you're in a movie thing, you know, it's like it, you could only like watch that like so many times. I mean, they they made a whole film franchise out of it and, and stuff, but that's cool for, for what it is. But if you want just like a, a, a slasher movie with good dialogue, a cool setting, good, good actors, um, good acting, good themes, uh, just like a, a lot of things going on other than it being like a self-aware movie, this is like a good movie um for that like just um if you want a good slasher from the 90s that's not trying to be like scream but is like scream this is this is the movie and i, I think it's the the best scream knockoff it's better than the faculty it's better than halloween h2o valentine cherry falls uh any of those so yeah this, this is this is one of my favorite horror movies ever for sure yeah d- d- definitely up there all, all all those movies that you just listed are, are are really good movies but like i said uh this movie is definitely up there um I want to do our movie recommendations. Steve, do you want to do yours first? Or? Uh, yeah, I want to recommend... Um, I'm not sure if it really falls in a horror category, but it is very scary and has a lot of horror scenes. So I consider it horror. I'd have to look up if, if it's labeled as that. I know it's psychological thriller for sure. Uh, the Machine is starring um, uh, Christian Bale, which came out, I think, in 05. But it's a movie that covers uh, pretty much the same subjects that I like about this movie, and that's um, 
of feeling guilty and, and being haunted by your past and just like how you deal with it and, and seeing somebody, you know, uh, their downfall from, from something that they had to live with and like seeing uh, from where they came from, like uh, where, where they were going, their potential, their future, and then seeing what they become because of something they did and that they had to live with. Um, yeah, it's pretty much the same themes and I won't spoil what Christian Bale did in it, but watch The Machinist and you will definitely see a lot of similarities to I Know What You Did Last Summer and it's very very scary too um if if you look it up and it doesn't say horror don't let that stop you from watching it it's definitely a horror movie even if they don't call it that so yeah the machine is my recommendation great great movie also performance by christian bale and a lot of people that that might not know what it is they might know of the fact that christian bale um because a lot of people talk about how he's such a good method actor and goes to all these lengths to to do the roles that he does uh i know a lot of people this was a big talking point knew about when christian bale lost uh i want to say like probably over 100 pounds for this role he used to be very very skinny i'm sure some pictures were online of it um yeah he did it for this movie this is the movie that he lost all that weight for and then later on he had to put it back on to play bruce wayne in uh batman begins so yeah the machine is definitely recommended if you like christian bale and if you like horror and if you like movies like i know you did last summer great movie great he, he's a great actor have you have you seen the fighter yeah yeah amazing yeah, that's a great yeah, it's a great movie with him and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, he just gets lost um, in his roles. He just, like, disappears. Yeah, he's definitely, I, I don't want to say underrated because he's not underrated, <laughs> but he's a fantastic a actor. Um, I'll recommend two movies today. First, for the same reason why uh, Steve recommended uh, The Machinist, I um, I want to recommend Sir of Echoes from 1999, which is a, I always felt was, like, overshadowed by... The Sixth Sense, because they came out the same year, and they were both, like, ghost stories. But Sir Rebecca is a great Kevin Bacon movie from 1999. And, again, it's a it's a movie about cover-up. It's about a girl that's murdered, and and they, uh, because of that, her ghost is kind of, um, it's kind of haunting Kevin Bacon's houses, tr- house, tr- trying to use him, uh, trying to connect with him to solve her murder. And, uh, again, so, again... That's kind of like a cover-up going wrong. That's a great and... movie to bring up because, uh, like you said, um, how Friday the 13th was a result of Halloween, um, and except they didn't do it as good, and it kind of took it in a bad direction. Uh, it, yeah. It didn't understand what was great about Halloween. Um, I know we did last summer, it came out as a result of Scream, and, and like I said, I think it, it does it so well that it's its own movie that shouldn't even be compared to it. So that was a good movie that came out of Scream. Uh, Stir of Echoes is a good movie that came out as a result of The Sixth Sense, and like I know what you did last summer, I think it also does a great job being its own movie and also shouldn't be compared. Like, yeah, it came out because of The Sixth Sense, but it did such a good job that, you know, we should just be grateful that it came out. It's not just like a movie that's like, oh, it's another Sixth Sense knockoff. Like, no, that's great that The Sixth Sense gave us a movie like Stir of Echoes because it's amazing on its own. Yeah, and I, I actually like not knocking The Sixth Sense, a great movie. I, I enjoy watching Stir of Echoes more. Not saying it's a better movie, but I enjoy watching it more. Uh, Kevin Bacon's one of those actors like Christian Bale, uh, not Christian Bale, um, Christian Slater, that like I just haven't really seen a bad Kevin Bacon movie. Maybe I've seen one or two, but he's made like a hundred. So again, like I said, so normally if I'm looking through a movie list and like I, I see uh, like movie boxes, I see Kevin Bacon. If I haven't seen the movie, I think I'm in for something good. Me too. Yeah. And also talking about Kevin Bacon. Obviously, like we said, uh, I think we said this before, and I think most of you know this, he was in the original Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. So, but uh, the second movie is Valentine. I just wanted to throw out a second movie out there. Um, again, Valentine, it, it's a good movie. 
Um, again, I, I said before, I recommended My Bloody Valentine before, which I think is a better movie. But Valentine is 2001 slasher starring uh, Denise Richards. And that, um, who who's the girl from, uh, I forgot her name. She's um, she's in the movie Knocked Up, the main girl, the blonde. Oh, Catherine Ka- Heigl. Catherine, yeah, Catherine Heigl's in it too. And again, David Borealis from uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer is also in it. So again, I recommend Valentine, and I recommend Sarah of Echoes today. Hey, well, but, uh, are you, you're more familiar with the sequel I know you did last summer. Would you recommend that to somebody who maybe hasn't seen it? Because a lot of people doesn't, don't even know. Um, well, they don't know about the third one, but a lot of people forgot about the second one. I'd recommend the second one. It's fun. Uh, again, like it's, um, it's like it's definitely a Hollywood movie. It made the theaters like you could. It, it just like the first one. Like it's shot. Like it, it doesn't seem like a low budget film. Um, some good cameos in it. You have uh, Jack Black's in it. You got um, Mackay Pfeiffer's and Brandy are the other two that they replaced um, Sarah Michelle and Ryan Phillippe. That's a good cast too. So they got that down from the first one. Um getting a good replacement cast even though um like like we said before um barry ryan Phillippe, and uh, sarah michelle geller were the highlights of the first movie yeah so like i'll say like again like i said um they weren't the highlights of this movie but like but i i guess maybe even like maybe like their their characters are just more entertaining and like i, I get even like Mackay and brandy like i said um again uh so they're more entertaining than um, Ray and Julie, but again, like I said, uh, yeah, I, I'd recommend it. It's it's obviously a movie that was made to come out just to make money because uh, again, just profiting off the original, and it's not anywhere near as good as the first one, but it's still decent. I'd check it out. Uh, third one, I would not like. I said, I'd stop watching. Always know what you did last summer midway through. And the TV show, give it a shot. Whatever, it's it's different. It's um, that wasn't my cup of tea, but I could see certain people liking it. So again, guys, thanks for checking us out today. We did I had a great time doing this episode. We were looking forward to this episode for a while now. Um, come check us out on Instagram at Be Afraid Horror Podcast. And next week we will be doing Poltergeist, which again is a great film, 1982, sticking with our last anniversary film which is 1982, 40 years ago. I'm reaching that age. And uh, that movie's fun, always fun to talk about, especially since it's one of the, one of the most cursed movies ever. So, uh, yeah, so thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, we'll get into that next time. But, again, a lot of terrible things have happened. Maybe not because the film came out, but it, it is rumored that it's a cursed film. But, guys, thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you, guys. Be afraid. Hey, horror fans, welcome to Be Afraid, the horror podcast hosted by Steve and Steve. You can find us on Instagram at Be Afraid Horror Podcast. Uh, we are continuing once again for the, uh, we have two more weeks left of this, but we are continuing with our anniversary horror films. Today we will be talking about the film I Know What You Did Last 